0: Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada.
1: And welcome in to another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. This is your host for the evening, Matthew Betts, a.k.a. TheFantasyPT on Twitter, joined as always by my good friend Matt Okada, a.k.a. Matt Okada on Twitter. Okada, how are you doing tonight, man? I am doing swimmingly. It is Friday
0: at the time of this recording, Friday evening, just getting off work, so that's always nice uh and i'm sorry at times like these that i'm not still fantasy sensei because you know that would sound cuter if you were a fantasy pd and i was fantasy sensei and it was all that yeah that would have been better can yes. you change back nope i cannot the brand oh, has been right, lost that's right because that <laughs> other yeah, guy that took your handle <laughs> stolen <laughs> But the guy tweeting uh, about
1: zebras Yeah, I forgot all about that. (laughs) Listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, just just fast forward 30 seconds. (laughs) Oh, man. It is definitely the end of the work week. So we thank you all for joining us. Uh, We're going to finish off the week with a little bit of fantasy football talk um, and kind of get into a lot of news. Okada and I have got a mock draft planned for you all. And then Mm. we've got a mailbag segment planned for tonight. Tonight is just Okada and I. We've had a long stretch of awesome guests, um, just the two of us. Just, just the two. Of us. Of a, yeah, oh. there it is. Knew it was coming. <laughs> um, so we are going to kick that back to being, you know, filled with guest spots uh, in the future. But for tonight, we're sorry to disappoint you. It is just the mats. <laughs> um, follow <laughs> so us disappoint. on Twitter, like I said, at the Fantasy PT at Matt Okada. Follow the show at Redshirts FF Pod. And we just want to give a quick shout out to uh, our writers who have been doing an awesome job. Recently, we just hired a bunch of new ones. We've got a late-round draft targets recap article by Josh Ripp. We've also got real-life activities that will make you better at fantasy football by Jake Trowbridge, which you can find on redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. All right, Okada, let's go ahead and kick it over into the news. I got great news, guys. news, 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 news. Okay, so there is a lot of news this week, actually, but... Um, let's just start with two very quick segments of news. That um, Okada, if you want to, feel free to comment on, and we can analyze it. But if not, then we can just kind of move into the more exciting stuff. The Fair first enough. thing is that there's going to be no suspension for Ezekiel Elliott. He was involved in a very minor altercation at a, a dance kind of festival or a music festival, if you want, if you will, uh, a few months ago. Recent news has said no suspension coming for him. Obviously, that's great news. Another piece of good news is Josh Jacobs has officially signed his rookie contract. If you're unfamiliar with that situation, um, there was some news that came out earlier this week that he was planning to hold out if they didn't change, I think, the timing of when he was getting paid with his rookie deal. Um, But that's all good news. He is signed and he will be uh, at training camp. Okada, do you have any tidbits of info to add to that? Um, Not really, Betts. I didn't really expect
0: for either of these things to go the bad direction that they didn't go. They both went the
1: good direction for fantasy. And uh, it's, it makes sense. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> when this news came out, it was literally about three hours after I had just taken Josh Jacobs and Scott Fishbowl. Nice. So I was ecstatic when I saw this news because I knew it was a risk taking him. But uh, good news is he will be there at the start of training camp. The next piece of news is about a player who might not be there at the start Uh of training camp, and that is a big-time player, Melvin Gordon. Um, Recently today came out saying that, you know, this is from his agent, if Melvin Gordon doesn't get either a contract extension or traded, he is probably going to hold out of training camp. He wants more money. He wants to be valued the way these other big-time running backs are valued, such as Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell. Um, Currently, he's owed about $5.6 million this season, which is obviously well below what those guys are making. Um, Okada, a couple questions for you. One, do you think he actually gets paid? And two, if he doesn't, do you believe him and think he will hold out? Ooh,
0: very tough questions. I'm going to go with the second one first and answer yes. Um, There was a video, I think you actually may have retweeted it from Sports Illustrated, Yep. Of, yeah, him talking a little while back uh, about when Le'Veon Bell was holding out, and the way he was talking about it gave me an impression that he was 100% serious about doing the same thing if he was ever in the same situation. Which, by the way, to your to the point of the first question a little bit, he's not really in the same situation because he's on contract for the last you know year of his contract for 2019, whereas Le'Veon Bell was getting tagged, which means he wasn't really on a contract. One of the things about that is that he will, unless I'm mistaken, which I don't think I am, suffer fines if he doesn't show up for training camp on a weekly basis because it's mandatory for people on contract. So... That makes it a little bit more intense, um, but I do I do feel like he's serious about it and, and will hold out. As far as whether the team will pay him, that, that one's a little bit tougher. My overall feeling, and this is really just a gut shot in the dark, is that they will come to an agreement somewhere in the middle on a relatively team-friendly deal that's less than the guys like Gurley and Bell got paid on a yearly basis but still gives him a a good set of years. Maybe it's a four-year deal so that he can feel secure, but they don't get you know, tanked by an overly large running back contract.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably where I'm at as well. I agree with you based off of the video that I saw. Like you said, it's on my timeline if you want to go check it out from Sports Illustrated saying, you know, Mel McGordon himself that he will do this, and he believed that Bell made the right decision last year because of the risk of injury and not having that guaranteed money. Um one thing that you know we should consider is that the Chargers do have a decent amount of cap space. So theoretically, if both sides are willing to make it work, it's within the realm of possibility. Like they've got the space to do it. They just need to decide if he's really worth the price tag. And one thing that I want to point out there from his injury history and you know, Akata, you and I were talking about this because we almost traded for him in one of our dynasty leagues that we own a, a team together. Mm-hmm. Um, we were trying to trade potentially Joe Mixon to get Melvin Gordon plus. And we were considering his knee history, his injury with uh, the microfracture surgery, which um, he's done very well with. Obviously, he's been fantastic for fantasy and and production in real-life football as well. But, you know, that research definitely supports that. Um, There's about a three- to five-year success rate after the surgery, and he's right on that mark as far as the five-year mark. So um, it's something to consider, I think, for the Chargers for sure. And I think that that will definitely go into their decision-making process. But last thing before we move on, Okada, you've got a pick. You're drafting, let's say, tomorrow, and you're in the middle rounds of your draft with this news coming out. Do you want Austin Eckler or Justin Jackson?
0: Great question. Uh, It depends on what you mean by middle rounds, because if if you're talking like seventh, eighth, I don't think I'm willing to go in on either yet, no matter which one I think is better. And even, in fact, if I knew which one I thought would be the lead, Uh, Back in Gordon's absence, I probably wouldn't take them that early. I think one of them could be a major value if he does hold out through several games of the regular season. But A, like I mentioned, I'm leaning away from that happening. B, if it does happen, I don't see one of them becoming Melvin Gordon and the other one you know, becoming Austin Eckler or whatever the secondary back would be. I think that they would split work a little bit more than... Gordon would, obviously, as the lead back. Now, I will say when uh, last year when Gordon went down for a few weeks and Eckler and Jackson were both healthy, Eckler then also got hurt. But in those games, they were both healthy. Eckler definitely got the heftier workload. If you just look at the raw numbers that they produced, Jackson actually looked really good, but Eckler got the heavier workload. So I would lean Eckler a little bit as as far as where I would take the two of them. Who would I go earlier? I would go Eckler. But I'm probably not going anywhere earlier than the ninth, maybe or the tenth. The nice thing about Eckler is he can be valuable even if Gordon is playing. You know, he he's had some decent fantasy values, a pass catching change of back, got or change of pace back. So I don't mind grabbing
1: him in that range. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Like you said, that that standalone value, I think at least gives you some comfort in the fact that if you were going to go ahead and draft him. Even if Melvin Gordon came back, he would still not be a complete waste of a draft pick. So I like that call a lot. Um, Let's move on to the Kansas City Chiefs. Two players to talk about here. Andy Reid has come out and said himself he wants Damian Williams to be, quote, the full-time starter for the entire year. Kent, if you're listening, sorry, (laughs) buddy. Uh, Uh, Kent is a big-time Carlos Hyde uh, supporter in that backfield. Thought he was going to take the job. But all signs right now point to Damian Williams being the the guy who's got the job until he loses it. Okada, the news has come out. Where is he right now in your rankings, or where would you adjust him to in your rankings? Ooh boy. Well, first of all, uh, I do. I am sorry to Kent
0: because he refuses to accept this. So I wish, he, or I, I kind of wish he was. I don't really wish because then we'd have to argue with him. But I kind of wish he was on this <laughs> podcast. So he could give his dissenting view and explain why. But yeah, he still doesn't buy it. Right now, and I have not touched it since this news came out. And part of that is just because this hasn't really changed too much for me. I kind of, and I've sort of touched on this before, but I kind of believed this was going to be the case anyways. Right now he's at RB15 for me. I could see myself moving him up a little bit. Possibly over Marlon Mack, who's one spot ahead of him. Possibly over Nick Chubb. Maybe who's at 13 for me, but I don't see him getting much higher than that. Having said that, this does give a little bit more credence to kind of my perspective on Damian Williams, which is that he is going to be given the starting role out the gate. I don't even think, I honestly don't think Kent or anyone else can disagree with that at this point. He is going to be given the chance to have 15 to 20 touches. And be the lead back. And as I've said before, the only way that he loses that, and they hand it over to Carlos Hyde instead, is if he performs badly. And then Carlos Hyde gets five touches and performs great on all of them. And in this offense, we saw him last year. And even if we didn't know at all what to expect from him, in this offense, the running back is going to perform well. Latavius Murray would probably look good in this offense. You would
1: look good in this offense.
0: Uh, Exactly. We've talked about that, I believe. So <laughs> he's not going to lose this job, and honestly, the more I talk about it, the more I think I probably do have to move him up because a running back that is in this offense in an Andy Reid system with Mahomes at quarterback, whether or not it doesn't matter how much Tyree gets suspended, and we'll talk about that in a second, this offense is going to be good. It might just be a little bit better the more he's on the field. But Damian Williams is going to be easily a fringe RB one, possibly higher than that for as long as he's a starter, and I think. I guess, I believe, that
1: he'll be the starter for most, if not all, of the year. Yeah, and when this news came out, just to kind of speak to that, like you said, a fringe RB1. I moved him right there. I have him at RB12 right now. The offense is just too good. It doesn't matter that he's not a superb talent in the NFL. We've seen that before. You just plug a guy in, and if he fits the system, which Damian Williams does for this team, he can be effective. And like you said, if Tyree Kill is on the field, he will have many more scoring opportunities so let's actually go ahead and transition right into that news more news is coming out about Tyreek Hill you know just two or three months ago we were basically saying he may never play another down in the NFL my goodness how the tables have turned because there is no definitive answer right now but signs are looking better and better with each news blurb that comes out for Tyreek Hill at this point it's actually looking like a lower amount of game suspension is coming and if not he may not even get suspended at all is kind of the latest sentiment around the league um there's more details in terms of the audio clips which you don't really need to go into but you know basically i was telling okada right before we recorded uh, i was listening to all of those and he just admits his innocence the entire time the audio clips that came out during the nfl draft were only a snippet of what was really said in that entire conversation so um more details to come for sure but The bottom line is, right now, things look good for Tyreek Hill. So, Okada, I'll kick it back to you. What are your thoughts on the situation, A, and B, now that he's potentially only going to be suspended for a few games, if that, where is he going for you and your rankings? Yeah, so I still think
0: he's going to get a suspension. I will certainly say that my outlook on it has changed quite a bit in the last few weeks to months. Because sort of around the draft time, like you were talking about, especially when that audio came out, I was leaning towards he would be suspended for the whole year. Um, And there are still, obviously, a lot of complications surrounding the situation. And we don't know what the Chiefs necessarily think about it. We still don't know what Goodell is going to do about it or what he thinks. They had meetings, uh, I think it was last week? week. Yeah, where they sat down. And hashed something out. We really got no news out of that. So Except that they were in talks for a long while. Um, I think he probably gets suspended four games to six games max at this point. And that is far too few to not draft Tyree Hill early. Now, I'm not saying second round. But I don't think it can be much lower than fifth or sixth round probably. Um, because you can get you can fill in those first four to six weeks. Six weeks is a is the difference is pretty big, I think, between six and four. So we'll really have to see. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but I feel like it is because that's like half the fantasy season versus a third. I don't know. It's pretty weighty. But I'm gonna I'm gonna draft him somewhere. Well, I don't know if I'll draft him at all because I don't. I have other reasons to not I'm on my team. But <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to draft him, if you're okay drafting him. I think it has to be in that range, fourth, fifth round. Um, Fill in those first few games with your best bench receiver that you were going to end up using for bye weeks and things like that anyways. And then for the rest of the year, end up getting a top five wide receiver at an incredible discount.
1: Yeah, if you can come away, like if that actually happens, let's say it's four games, if you can come away from those two weeks, three and one or two and two, and then all of a sudden you get Tyreek Hill as your wide receiver three, my goodness watch out you're going for, you're going to the playoffs because uh that's definitely a cheat code for reference for our listeners i just moved him up with this news it's trending the right direction so i've got him right now i think at 10 i put him at that's hedging a little bit so um the upside is certainly worth the risk but let's say you draft in a month and there's more news that comes out that he does get suspended for me personally he goes right back to the top five uh, no questions asked the last little bit of news here before we get into some injury news this week Duke Johnson. Okay, Okada, I'm excited about this one. Duke Johnson has fired his previous agent. He's a little bit, I guess, upset the fact that he's still on the Browns roster. He's been vocal in the past saying that he wants out of town. He wants a trade, uh, and it just hasn't happened yet. So he has now hired Drew Rosenhaus, who is a big-time agent in the NFL with a lot of these guys. And he's, I feel like, going to put the heat on again to get a trade from the Browns. Um, and honestly, I feel like it's probably going to happen because Drew Rosenhaus for me is just a guy that like he gets stuff done. I don't mm. I don't have any analysis on agents, but <laughs> I mean, you look at what happened with Antonio Brown. The guy gets stuff done for his players. Um, I seriously hope Duke Johnson goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My heart would explode.
0: Yep, that. What would are your be, thoughts
1: on on Duke Johnson?
0: That would be my first thought. Would be the Buccaneers. So we'll see. Um. Yeah, when when an agent, you actually recognize his name, you know he must be doing something right. And Drew Ra- Rosenhaus is basically the only agent that anybody recognizes. He's the 101 of agents. Exactly. I believe he was also involved in orchestrating the Odell trade, which was specifically out of Cleveland. So, I think it's probably going to happen too. Um, If it does, perhaps the most interesting thing is the Nick Chubb value spike. Because... Duke Johnson is always going to be on the field catching passes on third down when he's on a team. He's just really, really good at it. But if he's gone, especially for that first eight weeks when Kareem Hunt's not there, that means Nick Chubb's going to have to do that pass catching, at least to a degree, more than he would have. So I think that gives him a bump. It may also even help Jarvis Landry out a little bit, which I'm not a fan of because I don't want to rank Jarvis Landry highly because I'm not a fan. But, you know, I may have to bump up a little bit. Uh, But, yeah, if if he goes to the Buccaneers... Wow, okay, L- let's follow that train a little bit, Betts. If he goes yeah. to the Buccaneers, is he the highest drafted of those three for you?
1: Oh, 100%. Ooh. I think, I mean, we just saw, what was that, two years ago? That he finished as an RB1 in PPR format. So, yes, he did. I mean, even in a system, let's say like Bruce Arians, if he doesn't get the lion's share of the work, you know 100% they're going to use him, unlike the Browns, are willing to do last year and maybe this year we'll see um but I mean the guy is talented and they they've just haven't given him a chance really to to handle a workload it's wide open in, in Tampa Bay obviously you know and our listeners if you've listened to the show before know my thoughts on Ronald Jones which are not good <laughs> so Duke Johnson versus Peyton Barber I mean come on give me a break I would love to have Duke Johnson on my roster I'm going out and I'm going to trade for him cheaply in my dynasty leagues. What are your thoughts on that? What would What would you give up in a dynasty league to get him on your roster?
0: Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, I think he's definitely the, the closest of those three, and that's not to say he's actually close, but the closest of those three to a David Johnson type player. And obviously Bruce Arians, while he has said he does not need a David Johnson, would probably appreciate a guy... Closer to that than he has in Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones right now so I think I would agree with you that I would start to lean towards him as the guy most valuable I think Peyton Barber would still get a decent amount of carries but Duke Johnson would probably have more fantasy value as far as what I would trade for him I don't I definitely wouldn't trade a first for him but I could certainly be swayed into a mid second maybe even a
1: high second yep that's exactly what came to mind for me a mid second I think that would get it done. Probably um there's an owner in your league that's had him for a while and if he's frustrated and he sees this as a selling opportunity, you could capitalize. And for a second, it, it's probably worth the risk, honestly. Yep. Um Okada, I got to ask you one question. Oh. Did you think he was close to David Johnson because their names are both ending D in Johnson, Johnson and they have yeah, D is <laughs> their first initial? You know, I didn't think that at first, but now it's a lock. Sign so that me is up. some hardcore analysis. <laughs> On the red shirts pod uh, Arcata, uh, let's go ahead and move over to the injury news
0: doctor, doctor, give me the news I got a bad case of love in you. all right bets so we've got as usual we gotta hit Todd Gurley hopefully not literally because you know the more he gets hit the worse this is gonna be but we gotta touch on Todd Gurley in the injury section so a little bit of an update here kind of coming from him specifically.
1: What are your uh, What is your breakdown of this recent news? Yeah, so the news, quote unquote, that came out is all around actually with your squad over there, NFL Network. Um, there was an interview that came out, and, and his direct quote was asking him about his knee. It's good, man. It's good. I'm just like, hey, we're going to find out in training camp, you know? Once training camp comes, you've got the preseason, but you don't have a lot in preseason. End quote. So, People read into that as him saying he's unsure of his knee, saying they're going to find out. And I can't blame Todd Gurley, honestly, for saying what he said here. They will find out in preseason how much workload he can handle and how much weekly volume he can handle in terms of practice reps because right now the teams aren't together. So I I honestly hate the fact that people are reacting to this because it's just not – news it's not real news um i'm still pretty in the camp that Todd Gurley can be affected on, effective on a limited workload do i think he's the RB1 in 2019 no i don't but give that guy 15 touches a game and i'll take 15 touches a game from Todd Gurley over 25 touches a game from Ronald Jones
0: <laughs> yeah i would probably take 10 touches from Gurley over 25 <laughs> from Jones um. Uh, have you projected the Rams yet out of curiosity? Do you remember? I have, yes. I have to pull it up. Okay. Uh, while you're pulling it up, I will state for the listeners that I have him at 238 carries and 55 receptions, which is certainly less work than he's been getting. That's just under 300 total touches on the season, which is about 18 touches a game. That's probably on the high end. And that's probably because I, in general, feel more confident in Gurley, I think, than the average player or the average fantasy player slash analyst. So it, it certainly could be
1: more towards a 15-touch range. Where do you have him? Do you got it? Yep. So I have him right now at 205 carries. I've got him at 75 targets for 53 catches. I've got him still going for 15 total touchdowns, which equates to about 258 fantasy points. Um in the vast majority of leagues that's an RB1 yep
0: 100%. so i think we're
1: yeah i think we're in lockstep there he's still an RB1 for us um we just might need to monitor and kind of temper expectations yeah definitely and
0: i think i've touched on this before but i feel like it's super important to point out to our listeners that the touches that have the most value are the touches in the red zone and especially on the goal line. And not just the carries, by the way, on the goal line. But the catches and the targets in that area. And Todd Gurley is by far the most dominant player in that area of the field. Possibly not just running back, but player at any position over the last couple of years. He annihilates the competition. He lead has led the Rams in targets in that area. So he's going to catch touchdowns. He's going to rush in touchdowns. I, I currently have him at 16, so one more than you, but both of us are still above, or at or above 15 touchdowns. You cannot score 15 touchdowns and not be an RB1. It, it doesn't matter if you only get 200 to 250 touches. That kind of touchdown rate is going to get you into that RB1 range. And that's not going to fall off even if he is getting less touches because they're going to use him there because he's so good there. So I feel like that's a really important note that should be – Mentioned, and that's one of the reasons that I'm, I think, less concerned overall than the average analyst. All right. Uh, second guy, another running back, certainly a different level of concern for or at least for different reasons. Um, that's Darius Geis, which obviously there was all kinds of concern already with Darius Geis. Now he has suffered a hamstring injury while rehabbing and is questionable for the start of training camp. So first of all. I'm curious what your overall perspective on his previous injury rehab is. Second of all, I'm curious how much this one specifically then affects his rehab from that other injury. And does this hamstring on its own add additional concern for you? Is he completely off your draft boards? How are you feeling?
1: Yeah, he was never on my draft board to begin with, honestly. So this doesn't really change a lot for me personally, but for our listeners, you know, they should be aware that I've said this before with uh, Will Fuller, and I'm concerned because he's got a history of hamstring injury and is also coming off the ACL, which, you know, without getting into too much detail, is basically recipe for disaster. Now you have this with Darius Geis, who was already, like you said, suffering from those complications early on after his surgery. The timeline is pushed back um, in terms of when I would have expected him to be truly 100% and, and good to go um and now we're not even sure if he's gonna be ready for the start of camp so yes he's 100 off my draft board especially at his current adp which the last time i looked i believe was the fifth round there's just no way i can take him there um i think people that are wanting him to be a 20 touch back are just honestly going to be truly um disappointed when the season ends um the the only thing i'll say here is you know we really don't know the severity of the hamstring strain. So if it's a grade one, which is typically about uh, a two to three week recovery timeline, then honestly, it's not a huge knock on guys, but it is a sign of what could potentially come in training camp and early in the season. Okay. I've got, I've got a different angle of a question for you is, would you
0: consider Darius guys, if you were in a somewhat rebuild mode in a
1: dynasty league, a buy right now? I would, especially with this you know, most recent news. Mm. Um, I've been saying all along, I've been super vocal that I'm off of Geis in 2019, but I still like the player as a talent. And obviously Adrian Peterson is not going to be in the NFL for probably too much longer. So I think in the future, this is Geis' team and this is his backfield, but it's not going to be in 2019. So if you can get him at a discount, yeah, I'm a fan of that. Yeah, I would agree there. All right, before we get into our
0: not technically 1v1 mock draft because there's going to be bots drafting the rest of the league, but it's a 1v1 mock draft. Dude, our teams would be so good. Oh, big facts. <laughs> uh, we got we got a read for you from our sponsor for this episode, which is Trophy Smack. If you are a fantasy football commissioner or champion, specifically champion, it's time to level up your smack talk with an awesome trophy, ring, or belt. Head on over to trophysmack.com and use the promo code Redshirts to get a free ring with the purchase of any trophy or belt. So you don't even have to choose. You get a trophy or a belt, which is legit, and you get a free ring that you can wear to your drafts or when you see, you know, just keep it in your pocket. And when you see your league mate, just pop it on real quick, flash it <laughs> in their face, bling. Uh, but seriously, it, listen, guys, listeners. Pause the podcast. All right. Don't even listen to my next sentence if you don't. If 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 that's what it takes. Go to trophysmack.com and just look at their products because they are sick. They are lit, AF. They are dope. <laughs> Whatever other words the kids are using these days is what they are. You're gonna need something for your league, and this is the place to get it. And not only do you get
1: it, but you get it with a free ring by using the code Richard. So head on over and do it. All right, we're going to go ahead and use the platform on Fantasy Pros. We are in their mock draft simulator. Like Okada said, it is just he and I for this, but we are going against 10 other um, you know, bots, like you said. We're going to do 12-team league, single quarterback. This is redraft. We're going to focus on the starting lineup here. One quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, and a flex. For the sake of time, since we are already about the halfway mark here of the pod, we'll probably skip the last two to three rounds, which is mostly just kickers and defenses anyway. Um, but we will go ahead and get into the the biggest, you know, most important part of the draft. And with that being said, we are already at pick 1.03 with Matt Okada. I am picking at 110. So, Okada, you're on the clock. Who went before you and who are you looking at here? All right.
0: This is interesting that they put us at 103 and 110, which got randomized, by the way, when we entered this draft room. So we did we had no idea what we were going to get coming in. But this should potentially create some different strategies, which I like. Uh, Saquon Barkley and Zeke went off the board, one and two, respectively. Not surprising. Uh, I personally would flip those. I'm on Zeke as number one but I don't mind it either way. So those are the clear 101 and 102 to me. So I respect you computer guys. They're so smart. That leaves me with basically a choice between the other two Elite Four running backs. I don't think there's much debate in the industry that you want to go anywhere beyond CMC and Alvin Kamara uh, for these top four picks. So I have to choose between the two of them. It is a tough choice because I feel like Alvin Kamara has higher upside if he is to take more of what the Ingram role leaves behind rather than Latavius Murray just taking it all up. And if he were to do that, I think he would jump Christian McCaffrey. This is a full PPR, is that correct? Uh no, sorry, half PPR. Half PPR. All right. Well, then I'm going to take Alvin Kamara because I feel like I feel like his touchdown upside is a little bit higher. I feel like Cam Newton is going to be able to pass the ball downfield a little bit more, which will kind of drop McCaffrey's incredible, honestly, insane is a better word for it, receiving production towards the end of last season. And he might take a slight step back, and Kamara has some room to take a slight step forward. So he's my three.
1: Yeah, I obviously can't fault you for that pick at all. Uh, A great choice. The next group of players that went here is Christian McCaffrey right after you at 1.04. Fifth pick, David Johnson, then Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell at 1.07, which I know you and I are both not a big fan of. Our wide receiver comes off the board here, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and that puts me on the clock here at 1.10. Uh For me, this is a smash if I'm in a legitimate uh, league, if I'm at the 10 spot, and Julio Jones falls to me. I am just getting more and more, after doing the projections for this team, more and more on board with Julio being my – wide receiver one this year um, mm. I haven't made the change yet I might though one thing that's super interesting about Julio which I was doing a little bit of research with is the fact that they play so many of their games in domes this year and Matt Ryan plays way better in the dome than out of the dome and they now have Dirk Cutter and the last time they had Dirk Cutter Julio oh. Jones put up 10 touchdowns so Woo-wee. I I'm gonna probably have him at at least number two, maybe number one. For me, he's a smash there at 10. Um, Okada, while I look at my next pick here at 2.03, go ahead and read off the list of names that went right after me. Yeah, so after Julio went Joe Mixon, which is pretty solid
0: value at the one eleven. I mean, he's not going to go much higher than that because there's not much room to go much higher than that, but I really like Mixon. And then Odell Beckham Jr. at one twelve, James Conner at 2.01, and Damian Williams at the 2.02. The aforementioned look at that so let's see that is rb 10 off the board so the uh the experts we're drafting against which by the way the way fantasy pros mock drafts work and you guys should check them out if you can is that they use expert consensus rankings to kind of fill in the other uh the draft picks so this is really experts we're drafting against not computers we you know give ourselves some credit here uh sure.
1: they are reacting to the damien news so it's back to you what do you got Yeah, with my pick here, I'm going to try a different strategy because we are doing this this mock draft, which is the advantage of being able to do this is try different strategies. I'm going to try a a zero RB approach in this and kind of see how my team works out. So with that being said, I'm taking Juju Smith-Schuster, who has the opportunity to be the absolute alpha in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. They pass the ball more than anyone last year. Um, I don't see that trend changing a ton despite the change with the loss of Antonio Brown. So give me Juju there to pair with Julio Jones. Uh, a fantastic wide receiver core after those uh, those picks there it's Michael Thomas the first head end, Travis Kelsey at the 2.05 which I think is pretty good value Dalvin Cook the aforementioned Todd Gurley Antonio Brown and Nick Chubb and Okada you're back on the clock here at 210 first of all I love the Juju pick I've said
0: many many times that I'm incredibly high on Juju I can't even tell you the projection that I have from right now because it's so mind blowing. We will save it for when we start to get into our projections on the podcast, which will be coming up within the next month, everybody. Matter of a couple of weeks probably. Uh but brace yourself. Yeah, it's gonna be intense. The Kyler Murray projection, no, we don't oh boy. <laughs> Woo uh, had to work him in somewhere. Okay. This is a clear pick for me. Um the running backs have fallen down to the next tier at this point. It's a teardrop and I do like I do like Marlon Mack and Aaron Jones who are who are still there. But for me, Mike Evans is still in the group of receivers that uh, has been drafted. He is within the tier of top guys. So I'm going to grab him. I love Mike Evans. Possibly one of the most criminally underrated fantasy players in the league right now. Five seasons he has played, Bets, How many of those seasons would you say he has had less than 1,000 yards? Uh, approximately zero. Approximately zero would be correct because it's exactly zero. He's been so consistent, 70-plus catches, 1,000-plus yards. Last year, he had eight touchdowns. He's got wide receiver, the wide receiver one upside because he's actually done it, and he's got a crazy high floor, and I think this offense is going to be potentially even better than it has been. So, absolute smash. Uh, I'm back on the clock. Who went? Who? Let's see who went here. Uh, I'll, I'll
1: read it off while you look at, at your right. roster and you look at the guys available. So after Okada took Evans at 210, it went Aaron Jones at 211. We have our first quarterback off the board at Patrick Mahomes here, 212. Adam Thielen at 3.01 and T.Y. Hilton at 3.02. And then it's back to Okada here at 3.03. All right. There are some
0: great options at every position right now. Um, Keenan Allen is pretty much the top guy at receiver. Marlon Mack, Fournette are the top guys at running back. I like both of them. But George Kittle is still sitting there. At tight end. And I'm, what, what are we at? 3-3 right now? That's yep. right around the range I would typically take him, but I would also be willing to take him a little higher than this. So seeing him here makes me glad inside. I'm going to take George Kittle. I've been preaching all offseason that I want one of these top three,
1: and there's no way I'm getting one if I don't take him here. So smash that. Nice. Yeah, I can't argue with that. We've, we've talked about... You know, having one of those elite tight ends is such a difference maker in your lineup. If this was a real draft, I probably would have taken Kelsey, to be honest with you, in the second round. So I can't blame you for having Kittle there in the third. While I queue up my next pick, Okada, give us the rundown on the draft board.
0: Yep. So after Kittle went Amari Cooper, interesting pick because we don't know really what to expect from him. He's so inconsistently consistent or consistently inconsistent. <laughs> then Keenan True. Allen, Zach Ertz, so there goes the other of the elite of the top 3, not too far after me, so unfortunately you will not be getting one bet. Sorry. AJ Green, Marlon Mack and Leonard Fournette. So those next two running backs so that I think kind of finish out a tier. That leaves you on the clock at 310.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of in a tough spot here because there's certainly a big drop off in the running back tiers. Um wide receiver there's still so many good options. I feel like the tier of running backs is pretty similar with what's left in Devontae Freeman and Carrion Johnson, who I like, Josh Jacobs. So I'm going to actually pass on running back once again. I'm going to take someone else who provides a little bit more stability uh, to my lineup, and that is Julian Edelman here in the third round. Ooh. I think he's in for a huge season with Tom Brady. He's pretty much the only reliable option outside of James White in the passing game there. And with guys like Julio and Juju, who absolutely boom on certain weeks, I would love to have Julian Edelman in my flex to provide some stability, uh, a minimum of probably 11 to 12 points each week. So I love that pick there to pair off my wide receiver trio. Um, I am back on the clock. We'll do the same thing. Go ahead and read off the names that just went before I make my next pick at 4.03.
0: So before I read these off, I want to ask you, because you took Edelman before Stefan Diggs. Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks. That's
1: pretty high. I'm curious to know where you have him ranked. Uh, I will tell you if you give me three seconds to pull up my rankings. I will allow you 2.8 seconds. All right, fine. All right, I did it. (laughs) I have it pulled up. Uh, So in my rankings right now, I have Julian Edelman uh, right ahead of Stefan Diggs at number 14. I've got Diggs at 15, uh, Cooks at 17, Woods at 18. So... That actually lines up with my rankings uh, on redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Nice. All right. I buy it. So after Edelman, went Robert Woods
0: and Stefan Diggs. Look at that. Immediately afterwards. So that makes sense. Uh, also, Devontae Freeman to start the fourth round, the 401. I think Devontae Freeman is one of the possibly best values right now in fantasy drafts, especially in this range. So we might have to talk about him at some point in a in a, uh upcoming pod. I don't know. Just have, maybe we'll hit him in the projections. but And then uh, right after that, Brandon
1: cooks, and that leaves you on the clock at 4.03. Yeah, I would have loved to have Devonta Freeman fall to me here at this pick here in the fourth round. I would have smashed the draft button, but he didn't, unfortunately. So that's the gamble you take. Um, I'll take the next highest-ranked guy on my draft board, and that's Josh Jacobs. We just talked about him a little bit. He'll be there at the starting training camp. He'll have a ton of value, really will be a true three-down back there in oakland so i'll take him here in the fourth round
0: all righty that leaves me with basically a choice between a running back and a wide receiver uh the top ones are actually on the i wonder i wonder if the no it's not it's showing me ecr i was uh, which is expert consensus rankings by the way very useful tool in fantasy pros i was wondering if it was showing me my rankings because the, the running back and the receiver that are left right now are my top guys left right now so it makes it nice for me and that's Derrick henry versus cooper cup um, I think that I like the chances of the running backs that are going to come back to me a little bit more than I like the wide receivers that are going to come back to me in six picks, which means I'm going to go ahead and take Cooper Cup, my highest projected and the highest ranked of the Rams receivers. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know I love him. Uh, He, the, Evans and Cup might be the highest possible touchdown combo you can get without taking a guy in the first and second round. So, love that. Uh, hit us with who
1: went while I look at this next pick. Yeah, for sure. So, after that uh, that pick there, it went Chris Godwin at the 4'11". Derek Henry, like you talked about there, at 4'12". Sonny Michelle went at 5.01". And Tyler Lockett went in the, in the fifth round, second pick there. Uh, I think that's awesome value, personally, for Tyler Lockett. I would have been willing to take him in the fourth had I not gone... Uh, wide receiver heavy early on. So I love that value there. Um, Okada, that puts you back up on the clock here in the fifth round. All righty. So I'm looking at three running backs here. Um, these are the same
0: guys I was looking at in the Scott Fishbowl, actually, and ended up getting one of them, which I was glad about. And I kind of always want to come away with drafts from drafts with one of these three guys, which is an interesting thing I've just been figuring out about myself. And that is Mark Ingram, Chris Carson, and David Montgomery. They're kind of similar in that I think they're all going to be guys that get solid workloads on teams that are going to run the ball a chunk, a large chunk. <laughs>
1: Big <old> and
0: chunk. <laughs> I and I feel like they're going to stay healthy, score a few touchdowns, and be a solid – like, solid is exactly the word I would use to describe these three guys. Solid producer out of your RB2 spot. Which one am I going to pick? That is difficult. Uh, I'm going to go with David Montgomery. I'm going to take the rookie – I think of these three, his might be the highest scoring overall offense. Um, And I just honestly have
1: a lot of trust in Montgomery to be a very high carry guy. I can't argue with your pick at all, mostly because I was just doing a little bit of a dance in my seat here. I wish our listeners Mm. could have seen that. When I saw the draft board. Wait, wait, wait. Can I
0: guess guess what it was? Can I guess what you're dancing about? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. It it might be wrong, but OJ Howard falling.
1: No, although I wouldn't, I'm not necessarily saying I wouldn't take him here. I certainly would. For me, Howard, Henry, and Ingram are all, Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry, that is, are all in one big tier, so I'm willing to take a little bit of a risk and hope that maybe one falls to me in the sixth or seventh round. I'm super, super excited in my real draft if Mark Ingram falls to me here. I don't really need Mm. to lay out any arguments about it because you just did it for me. Super solid, an awesome RB2. The volume is going to be there 100%, and you talked about it on our Bold prediction segment. You boldly predicted that Mark Ingram would lead the NFL in rushing attempts, and if he's on my roster, I hope that comes true. <laughs> Definitely. Very high likelihood because I predicted it. Uh, by the way, quickly, after the
0: Mon- my Montgomery pick, when Aaron Rodgers, Allen Robinson, Jarvis Landry, Sammy Watkins, Alshon Jeffrey, James White who I didn't mention in that trio because he's different, but I think is also a good pick in this range. Then your Mark Ingram, DJ Moore, OJ Howard. So you won't get that one, but the other two are still there because Chris Carson and Deshaun Watson were the next two picks, which means Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram are still on the board bets. Is this going
1: to be the round? You go tight end, or will you wait? Uh, That's tough because it definitely drops off after this. However, there is one additional chargers wide receiver that i want on my roster and in the sixth round of a 12 team draft i am certainly willing to take him here you know who it is okada i do know who it is that's mike williams um Mm. we talked about it already i'm super high on this guy i know you are too In, in dynasty and in redraft i think there's no way he doesn't get at least eight to nine touchdowns with more than likely more than that so give me Mike Williams for sure, um, and at my wide receiver four, I am very willing to take that you know quote unquote risk on Williams uh, there in the sixth round. All
0: righty. Um, well, I'm I'm gonna do my own little happy dance here, bets, because the receiver I have ranked one spot behind Mike Williams right now, and several spots above every other guy at the position left in this draft is still sitting on the board right now, and that is Tyler Boyd, who, if you may recall, on our Look into the Future Dynasty podcast with Dynasty Rich, I said would be a wide receiver one by next season. And in order to do that, he has to have a very good 2019, and I 100% believe he will. So I am smashing that. Getting them as, a, as my wide receiver, wide receiver three makes me a happy, happy man, because I would honestly be happy with him as my wide receiver two, and it's not like I'm stuffing this position to get him here because I already have two running backs also, and a tight end. (laughs) Oh, I'm loving this draft, and I'm drafting
1: Tyler Boyd. Oh, my gosh. I wish our listeners could see your face when that sound Uh. just came out of your mouth. (laughs) Oh, That's amazing. Um, While you go ahead and debate your next pick here, I'm going to just pause the timer, Okada, so that our listeners can kind of get a full picture of our rosters Go ahead and list off mm. who you've got on your squad through six rounds.
0: Okay, this this might be shaping up, bets to be my favorite roster that I have drafted in a mock or real draft so far this year. So perhaps we can convert this into a real league with all these imaginary people. Um, quarterback, I have no one, because you should not draft a quarterback before the seventh round, which is where we currently sit. Uh, unless, of course, for some reason... Patrick Mahomes would fall to the sixth round, but that's not gonna happen. A running backs, I have Alvin Kamara, David Montgomery, very high upside floor combo, so love that. Wide receivers, I have Mike Evans, Cooper Cup, and Tyler Boyd in my flex. Holy mackerel, do I love that wide receiver core? That is, let me just see, 10, 10, 28 ish touchdowns between those three guys. I think by my projections. I'm not even looking at my projections, but that that's around the number I think I would be at. That's insane. And then at tight end, you would think with this incredible of a roster, bets that I would either not have a tight end or have some kind of sham, right? Wrong.
1: George Kittle.
0: Oh, oh my. What do you got? I can't can't even compare it to that. But what do you got? No,
1: that's solid. I really do like that roster a ton, especially when you get to just add in at the end. Oh yeah, by the way, I got George Kittle. Um, I do not have a tight end yet. I have right now. My top three picks were Julio Jones, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Julian Edelman. I then went back to the running back position, took Josh Jacobs and Mark Ingram, two absolute workhorses for their team. Love the volume, and then I've got a player that I'm just super high on and love the upside with Mike Williams there right now sitting on my bench, um, which is fantastic. So we'll go ahead and kick the draft back off here. Okada, you're back up at the 703 while you debate your next pick this is the list of guys that just went off the board right before okada uh it went after that baker mayfield calvin ridley dante pettis and sterling Shepard. which in the seventh round i'm really not a big fan of that sterling Shepard pick personally where where would you you know go in on sterling Shepard? because i feel like for the upside that's there it's just not really worth it in the seventh round personally for me would you agree or would you would you like that draft price
0: no, I would 100% agree. I haven't done my Giants projections yet, and I think that when I will, he'll he'll just have to naturally rise from where I have him in my rankings right now because someone's going to have to catch the ball there, and I think that I probably am not accounting for that as much as I I probably will once I project it out. Although, just for the record, I feel like Evan Ingram's going to be the lead fantasy pass catcher there. I do too. Besides Saquon, obviously. Um so, no, I don't like I don't like him in that range. I'll tell you what, Betts, I do like Dante Pettis in that range. I have had an epiphany this week about how much I like Dante Pettis, and it's not just because I traded for him in a dynasty league. Uh, it, it, I honestly am surprised that that's not the reason, because I discovered it right after I traded for him, but that's not even how I discovered that I liked him so that much. That is definitely the reason. I love Dante <laughs> Pettis. No, no, no. <laughs> Nope, I just stumbled upon my love for Dante Pettis, uh, but anyways, I can't have him in this draft, so that's unfortunate. Uh, what's not unfortunate is the couple running backs that I could go for here. Uh, there's also a couple quarterbacks that I really like. At uh, I don't, I wouldn't say necessarily at this spot, but that I would be willing to start looking at here. But because there's a couple, I'm not gonna take one. So I'm going to swing back and get a guy that I've been rising on in this range, actually. And, and you may not like it, but it's Latavius Murray.
1: Ugh, I, I love that.
0: And and this is this is, this is is double interesting because I have Kamara. But I think that both of these guys can be startable. Latavius can slide into my flex when I need him to. I think he's going to get enough carries and probably on the order of eight plus touchdowns. I haven't statted them out either yet. But he is a guy who scores touchdowns, and the touchdown count of the Saints running backs combined over the last few years is insane. I want to say it's an average of 26 or so touchdowns uh, just from their running backs rushing the ball. So he is going to score touchdowns, and then if I happen to lose Kamara for some reason, I do not skip a beat because he steps right in and takes over. Uh, you're on the clock. So while you uh, decide what you're doing, after... Latavius Murray with Corey Davis Christian Kirk Russell Wilson not one of the quarterbacks I was looking at Drew Brees not one of the quarterbacks I was looking at Matt Ryan and Cam Newton what a quarterback run none of them were the ones I was looking at so that works out for me where do you sit at
1: 710 right now still without a tight end yes I'm going to continue my trek through this Mock draft without a tight end, still in the seventh round. I'm going to pass on Jared Cook, who is the highest consensus ranking um, suggested player here. But for me, there's just too much other value here at the running back position. I'm going with my guy. I'm taking Rashad Penny here because Mm. at this draft price, it's definitely definitely worth the risk, I think. Because I do think Chris Carson is the lead back in terms of fantasy points scored for the Seahawks. But we've talked about it previously. The volume is just absurd with how much they're going to run the ball. I think that Rashad Penny gets a chance to at least capitalize on what he did last year and build some momentum. And then when you look at what Mike Davis did last year, um, 112 rush attempts with, I think, over 140 total opportunities when you add in the targets. I don't know how the vast majority of that doesn't go to Rashad Penny. And let's be honest, Chris Carson has missed time in the NFL. And if he does, Rashad Penny is a top 10 back. So... For me, definitely worth the risk there in the seventh round. What are your thoughts on that pick with Rashad Penny?
0: Yeah, I agree with most of what you just said. Um, I don't know if he'll take up all of Mike Davis, but I don't think he has to to be valuable. I think that this offense and the Seahawks offense and the—or this off, this offense is the Seahawks offense. This offense <laughs> and the Ravens offense—
1: This offense, are going, is also the
0: Seahawks <laughs> offense. And— probably also the Bears offense which I have one piece of are going to be three places where both running backs can be used uh maybe also the Saints by the way where I just drafted two usable guys so there you go there's the four teams that you can use both guys you don't even need him as a handcuff but as a handcuff he's also extremely valuable you are back on the clock
1: you are no longer on the clock because you made your pick I did who'd you say I did uh I went ahead and took Tevin Coleman here uh in the eighth round we've Definitely talked about it a little bit with the San Francisco 49ers backfield in terms of wanting at least one of these guys on my roster and the chance that one of them provides um, a more clear situation. We've we've kind of talked about it a little bit. We can do it right now. I still think it's going to be a timeshare between all those guys. But McKinnon has had chances to be the guy, and he, he just hasn't. Tevin Coleman at least knows the Shanahan system from his days in Atlanta. So I'll take him here as my – RB4. I feel really confident about that. I can flex him any week, but don't feel the need to necessarily start him if it's not quite as a, a clear-cut role for Tevin Coleman early on. Very solid.
0: Bets, Listen, man. There's so much of me, so much that wants to not take Kyler Murray here <laughs> because it's getting old, man. It is getting it is, old. I, I am taking Kyler Murray in every single mock draft that I do and in the Scott Fishbowl, and it's like, hello, can I try out a different strategy? Answer to that question, no. No, I cannot. Listen, right before Kyler Murray went, Dee Westbrook, the Chicago Bears defense, and Jordan Howard. And this is what will happen in your drafts, by the way. This is the point where I would absolutely take a quarterback when you're taking bench guys that are going to do nothing for you for most of the season, or defenses, and meanwhile, I'm sitting over here getting a top five quarterback. So I'm sorry, Bet. I really did try, okay? But I couldn't resist. I don't
1: think you really tried that hard, to be honest with you. I did. I tried so <laughs> hard. No, I honestly don't think I did. I think I think I did, but I didn't. Yeah. And, uh, and for our listeners that want to know, that haven't heard yet, why you're so high on Kyler Murray, where can they find a brilliantly written article uh, describing oh. his upside this season? Excellent question. I would start with
0: redshirtsfantasyfootball.com bets, and then if that doesn't do it for you, which it will, you can also at me on Twitter, at Matt Okada. Love it. I'm back on the clock here, and I could take a couple running backs that are mildly interesting. Austin Eckler's there, by the way. Um, And there's a couple other guys who could be the RB1s in their offense, which is tempting. But there is a wide receiver that I have been uh, growing on more and more. I've mentioned him on the pod a couple times, and I took him in the Scott Fishbowl. There's actually two guys I took in the Scott Fishbowl here. And for once, the experts actually agree with me on this pick. Uh, fantasy pros will tell you what the experts would recommend, and 47% of them recommended that I take Curtis Samuel, and I listened. I said, okay, experts, I hear you. I'm not going to zig where you're zagging like I have this entire draft. I'm going to take Curtis Samuel. So he is my wide receiver four, which I absolutely love, 100%
1: flexible loving it there you're up in round nine i am and the stars have aligned for me because i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think this happens in a real draft but jared cook has somehow fallen to me at the 9 10. i'm not gonna risk it any longer i'm gonna go ahead and take him here i think that's phenomenal value for a guy who outside of michael thomas and alvin kamara could be the third receiving option for drew Brees, who we've seen have a lot of success with his tight ends. Uh, namely jimmy graham and, and others so yeah for me this is a no-brainer i'll take jared cook to kind of round out my starting skill positions outside of quarterback uh and i love that value there thoughts Word. on on jared cook yeah i think that's a, a really solid late late tight end to take
0: um there's a couple of the guys that certainly might have more upside than him vance mcdonald david and joku might have more upside than him but if you're not if you know, you're looking for a solid tight end to round out an already strong roster because you've been going early on running back and wide receiver as you have, I think he's a absolutely perfect pick, and I think you did get him at a value. Uh so while you think, I will touch on a couple other interesting picks here. Daryl Henderson went in the eighth round. Certainly, uh I think it's pretty much around where he's going for the most part, but certainly interesting. It's a very high, obviously handcuff um dd westbrook went right after him at 8-6 i guess the expert consensus must be rising on him i'm a big fan so that's people must be listening to the red shirts pod He very well could be
1: Because um, you are,
0: are high on him for sure oh i love him uh jarek mckinnon all the way down at 9-9 very interesting that. when did you take tevin coleman was it a couple rounds ago uh i believe i got him in the eighth round okay so mckinnon one round later basically I think that's a really solid value. I think, but solid value for both of those guys. There's a good chance that this is another one of those offenses that both are valuable. But even if they're not, and only one of them is, that shot in the eighth or ninth at a guy who's going to be very productive in Shanahan's offense, I think, is really solid. And you
1: are down the clock. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't not pick this guy. He's my guy. He's on my team that I love, which is the Eagles. Carson Wentz there in in the 10th round, I think is great value. Uh, I believe that was quarterback. I'm going to count it here. I believe that was quarterback 12 off the board, which I think he finishes well above that. I think he's in for a great bounce back season. You know, they surrounded him with so many weapons with the rookies and Sanders and JJ Arcega-Whiteside. Obviously Zach Ertz is still there. Alshon Jeffrey, you know, you name it, Deshaun Jackson. So I, I love Wentz this year. I'm not worried about his back injury, as I've said before. So yeah, in the 10th round, give me give me Carson Wentz there all day. Finishes off my skill positions here at my starting lineup. Okada Bell, you think about your next pick here at 1010. I'll go ahead and read off the guys that went just after him. So at the fourth pick of the tenth round, Matt Breda, then Kareem Hunt and the fifth, mm. the Rams defense. James Washington, Marquez Valdez Scantlin mm. and Deshaun Jackson, who is going to be catching deep passes, touchdown passes, I shall say, from my quarterback, Carson Wentz. Very true.
0: Um all right, we've hit the range where dart throws begin bets, and so I have to decide which ones I want. And I'm gonna go with a running back that will do diddly squat for me, probably but could do quite a lot for me if the opportunities open. And that's Deonta Foreman, Uh, technically non-starting backup running back for the Houston Texans. However, I have heard that his rehab is looking good. He has lost some weight, and there is a chance that he is healthy this season. And if he is, I think that there is a chance and a good one that he takes over the lead back role from Lamar Miller. And if he does that, he's going to be in my starting lineup because that's going to be a good offense. And if he doesn't do that, he's my RB4, so I don't think it is too
1: much of a risk or investment. Yeah, I don't think I can really fault you for that. I mean, I've been pretty vocal saying, you know, I, I'm i just going to go with what the research supports and you know what our injury analysis says here is that the Achilles injury is so difficult to come back from for the running backs. But like you said, it's your RB4. If it doesn't work out, if he... You know, hopefully not. But if he would get re-injured or something would happen, you drop him, and it's really not a hurt uh, on your roster. You've got so much other depth around him uh, that it wouldn't really be a huge deal. And I think for the upside there, double-digit rounds, I really can't fault you for that one.
0: Fo the show,
1: all right. Um, instead
0: of going with the con- the consensus expert uh, suggestion this time, I'm going with someone that one percent of experts would recommend. <laughs> According <laughs> Is it to just this. You? Are you the only one Probably, it? yes. It's probably just me. No, actually, not really, because I haven't really been hyping this guy. But I'm going to take John Brown. I think that there is a decent chance that John Brown is the number one fantasy receiver on the Buffalo Bills. And while that doesn't mean nearly as much as it would mean on literally any other team in the entire National Football League, if he produces with Josh Allen like he was producing with Joe Flacco at the start of last season, which we all seem to forget, was wide receiver two numbers. He was; They were great together. And then Lamar Jackson destroyed him, and so we've forgotten that he was good. And he's always been good, by the way, when he's healthy. If that works out, that relationship kicks off well, and he is maybe even not the lead target guy, but just the lead fantasy guy in that offense, he's going to have value where he can slide into my, uh, my lineup on a somewhat, maybe not regular basis, but certainly when I need him, if I have any injuries and in my flex. So uh, I'm kind of interested in John Brown right now.
1: Yeah, I actually did stat out the Buffalo offense, and he was the highest scoring receiver there for that team for me when I projected it. Uh, I just think the the matchup there with Josh Allen's big arm is awesome for John Brown. And we saw it last year, right, with Joe Flacco, who at this stage of, of his career uh, is no longer elite if he ever was. Nope. And he was even you know on fire last year with him. So I really do like that pick there late. I'm going to go ahead and take – uh, a guy who you might consider a bit of a handcuff here. But again, same rationale as what you were saying where the risk is really not that high. I'll snag Damien Harris here in the 11th round, eleven ten. 10 Sonny Michel obviously has missed time. In the 11th round, I'm fine to let him sit on my bench for a few weeks and see what happens. If Sonny Michel would somehow get re-injured or have trouble staying on the field, you've got a top 15 back in Damien Harris, in my opinion, because of the scoring opportunity there with the Patriots so uh, I'll love to stash him on my bench here in the 11th round
0: yeah I think he's probably one of the most underrated handcuffs right now I think he's one of the legit handcuffs that can be a absolute starter if the guy in front of him goes down and I in fact traded into the back part of the second round in our one of our shared dynasty leagues where we're gonna league together we don't share the team we're very opposed uh in this league
1: my team is way better Uh, okay (laughs) but I did (laughs) trade into
0: the second round to take Damian Harris and I do have Stoney Michelle so I think he's really solid I think he could produce this year if the
1: uh the dominoes fall right for him all right Okada read off who went right after that pick and then I'll snag my next guy and what do you say we wrap it up here in the 12th round yep that sounds good
0: uh David and Joku went right after Harris so one of the remaining starting tight ends don't hate it Ravens defense uh hate it Carlos Hyde, hate it, but honestly can't fault it because if by some stretch he does become the starter, twelfth round is a great shot at a Chiefs potential starter. And Delaney Walker at twelve oh two, I really like that. I've been talking him up as a good late round tight end value, so good pick there.
1: Yes, and then with my pick there, I went ahead and took Tyra Williams there in the twelfth round to be my last pick for this draft. Obviously there would have been a few more rounds, but we're running a little short on time. So I've talked about it already. I mean, he's my favorite late-round target, I think, at the wide receiver position. You could probably even get him, honestly, in the 13th round, but I didn't want to risk it in wait. I wanted Tyrell Williams. I probably honestly would have taken Dante Moncrief instead of him. However, I own Juju, so I'd rather have a, a bit of a diversity in terms of my teams that I have on my roster. So I went ahead and took Tyrell Williams here. We talked about it you know, in more detail, so I won't really go into a ton of detail for him. But you just look at the opportunity playing alongside Antonio Brown um, in that Oakland offense. I think he has a a big time role, and at his current ADP, which last time I looked was wide receiver 62, it's absurd. Oui. He's a he's a phenomenal value this year. So I'll take him and stash him on my bench to finish off my roster. Very solid.
0: All right, I have my final pick here at the 1210 of our mock draft. Um, I'm considering a couple upside running backs like Devin Singletary, Duke Johnson's still there, by the way, could certainly just take a shot on him, but, um, I'm feeling good about my running backs and I feel like I want one more shot at a receiver. It's going to be Devonte Parker. I'm going to take Devonte Parker. I- I've done it a couple times, uh, in, in maybe even on a red shirts mock, but also certainly just talked about the fact that, listen, man, I believe I still believe. I don't know what to tell you. Yes, guess I know exactly what breakout. to tell you. Adam Gase is gone. And they re-signed him. And those two things together tell me they still believe in his talent. And there's still a chance they might use him. Easily. Easily. The latest wide receiver with the best chance at being the number one on his team. By far. I don't think it's even close. Where did I just get him? The 12th round? And I would bet on him being the number one on his team. And, yes, it's not going to be a great team. But, by the way, if Ryan Fitzpatrick starts, that's fantasy value to be had. So, I'm taking
1: him. I cannot wait for the internet when Ryan Fitzpatrick oh. makes Devontae Parker a breakout. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Uh, if it happens, that's a great pick. Uh, and like you said, you know, it, it really is dart throw territory at this point. So... I can't fault you for it. Um, I probably wouldn't have taken him, but like you said, take a dart throw, and he's probably going to be the wide receiver one on his team. Okada, let's go ahead and wrap up the mock draft here. One more time for our listeners. Let's read off our rosters. I'll go first. Um, Let's just go kind of through our roster, quarterback down to our bench. You and I both passed on a defense and a kicker through 12 rounds, which all of our listeners should be doing. Mm. Do not draft a defense before that. Definitely do not draft a kicker before that. That would be a, a big time waste of a draft pick. So don't do it. All right. I got uh, I got Carson Wentz, I got Josh Jacobs, Mark Ingram, and then Brace Yourself. Ooh. Julio Jones, Juju Smith Schuster. Oh my land! My flex is Julian Edelman, and oh. at tight end I've got Jared Cook. On my bench. This team could start, honestly, on my bench. Mike Williams, Tevin Coleman, Rashad Penny, Tyra Williams, and Damian Harris, Okada. I think we should convert this to a one-on-one league this season. What do you think?
0: (laughs) Let's do it. Make it a best ball and see who wins. Um, I actually really like that team. I was a little bit nervous through the first few reads. And then you said, Julio Jones, Juju Smith-Schuster. And I said, what did you just say? And then you followed that up with like seven more excellent receivers. So that is very solid. I like it. Decent, at least. Thank you, sir. I mean... Then you get to this team, of course, and then it all falls apart. Not really, no. I really do like it. But this team is also good because it's owned by me. Quarterback, I don't even need to tell you who it is, so I'm just going to skip that. Alvin Kamara at running back. David Montgomery at my RB2 spot. Again, love that combo. I'm going to be getting, what is that, 40 touches a week from those two guys probably? Crazy good. Mike Evans, Cooper Cup. In my starting receiver spots, George Kittle at tight end. Love that. In my flex is Tyler Boyd right now. And it will probably stay there because he's probably a, a good head and a half above the rest. But I also like my bench with Latavius Murray, handcuff slash rotational producer, Curtis Samuel, John Brown, Deonta Foreman, and Devontae Parker. Rounds it out.
1: Yeah, I really do like that roster as well. You've got some good values there for sure. One thing that I'll point out that I would probably be a little nervous about is that wide receiver two position. Listen, I love Cooper Cup just as much as you. Well, maybe not just as much as you, but a lot. However, I'm still hesitant that there's going to be a slow start to the season, but you've got enough wide receiver depth that you could piece it together there, especially with Tyler Boyd as your wide receiver two, that it probably wouldn't hurt you a ton. So, yep, like that roster a lot. Um, and just for our listeners who might have missed it and don't know, the quarterback is Kyler Murray. Mm. All right. That is going to do it for our mock draft. Okada, that was a blast, man. Um, We should do more of these for sure in the future. I think it provides a lot of you know draft strategy and just lets our listeners know, you know what we're thinking when we're on the clock. So love that. Two good rosters. So that's going to do it for the mock draft. Uh, great, great rosters there for sure. We are definitely, you know, happy to give you our advice and kind of our draft strategy when we're on the clock um, because I think it helps provide, you know, a little bit of context and give you our thoughts when we're forced to make a pick. So uh, that was a ton of fun. Okada, that's going to wrap us up here for episode 59. Uh, Before we get out of here, we do have uh, one more thing that we want to mention and that is our listener league. We've kind of put it out there a few times. We've got some reviews. We've got some entries. All you have to do to be entered into the listener league Drawing is leave us a rating and review on whatever uh, podcast app you use. Take a screenshot, tag us on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod. That is one way to get an entry. The second way is to join our Patreon. Uh, we've got extra content on there. Go to patreoncom pod You can join our Slack. You can ask Okada any stat about Kyler Murray that you want to. Oh my land! You can ask me about any injury you want to. Uh, we are, you know, available 24-7, except for when we're sleeping and working, of course. <laughs> but outside of that, we are available. Uh, I also want to mention, too, that we are going to have our projections up there. We've been talking about them a little bit, but our full projections will be available exclusively to our Patreon members. Uh, so feel free to get on there, get that extra content, because it will make you a better fantasy football player. Okada, anything else for the people? Um, No.
0: I don't think so, Bets. You just wrapped it up very nicely. And uh, I'm excited to finish out the Scott Fishbowl. Hey, by the way, listeners, okay, yes, there is one more thing. (laughs) Fantasycares.net. If you don't know what the Scott Fishbowl is, then you're not on Twitter right now, which, you know, you don't have to be. But if you're on Twitter, then you certainly know what it is. It's a crazy, huge fantasy league hosted by Scott Fish and primarily driven to uh, raise money and benefit uh, Fantasy Cares which is a uh, non-profit organization that he sort of started to help out kids. They uh, donate a ton of money to Toys for Tots. I believe that last year's Scott Fishbowl number was $40,000. Yeah, that sounds right. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And there is, I would say, zero chance that that number does not get topped this year. So incredible stuff. If you guys want to donate, go check out Fantasy Cares, um, and you can send in money. So, Oh, and our Patreon... uh, uh, income, if you would call it that, from July will be donated to Fantasy Cares, so not only do you get to get Patreon co- Patreon content,
1: but you are secretly donating money to
0: children, which is awesome.
1: Yes, that is one extra reason, probably even better, honestly, than the the projections. Yeah, it is. And the slack. I mean, yeah, help these kids out at Christmas. It's it's a fantastic um, you know, organization, and, and Scott Fish does a fantastic job, so shout out to him. We're happy to help out, so Yeah, if you join our Patreon, you are going to help out those kids as well. Uh, We look forward to seeing you all on there. And until next time, we are the Red Shirts.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.